Oh, man. Okay. What is it, friends and podcast personality, Vegas Lancaster? Oh, hey, fellow amiable podcast personality, Rudy Basso III. I didn't see you walk into the studio. I was just sitting here lamenting a dilemma dramatically. A dilemma? No. But as all our listeners know, you're the happy-go-lucky funny guy. If you're feeling down, it must really be a problem. It sure is. You see, I want to buy lots of gaming products, but many of the things I want are out of print. Oh, man. I feel you, fellow podcaster. That's a very relatable problem many gamers have. But I don't feel that way any... more. But you must tell me how. Of course, fellow palcaster. I shop on noblenight.com. They're a brick-and-mortar game store which also exists online, and they have tons of products, including all editions of D ampersand D. At noblenight.com, out-of-print is available again. Oh, boy. I'm checking noblenight.com out right now on my smartphone right now. They have so many cool products. But I couldn't possibly buy them all. But, Podbro, don't you know that NobleKnight.com offers discounts out the wazoo? Jeepers, you're right. Golly, look at those prices. Still, I already have a bunch of old gaming stuff. Even though I'm not using a lot of it, I wouldn't have any space for all the new things I can buy at NobleKnight.com. <laughs> My good podcast, Hombre, don't you know that NobleKnight.com will buy all your old gaming products you aren't using? How do you think they get all those out-of-print products? Great Asmodeus, you're right. I'm glad I have a friend like you, Rudy Basso III. You are smart, and now I am too. That's right, because smart people shop at NobleKnight.com. Yep. HTTP colon backslash backslash www.noblenight.com. Okay, I think I think they got it. Hello there, and welcome back to D&D VNG, the only monthly podcast that takes an in-depth look at Dungeons & Dragons licensed video games. Why are we doing this podcast? Because we wanted to do something that is too specific. My name is Rudy Basso, and joining me today, and for all future podcasts, is my brother, Alex Basso. Hi, Alex. Sorry, hey, hey, what's up? Hey. <laughs> oh. And my regular permanent panelists, Gregory Blair. Hello. And Kevin Vegas Lancaster. That's me, that's me, that's me. Also joining us today is our great friend and dungeon master, James Introcaso. James, what? we've all discussed our video game histories. How about you? How long have you been playing those video games, and what are some of your favorites? Well, I've been playing video games since I was three years old. I started with Ernie's Magic Shapes and Grover Counts Numbers on the old NES when my brother and sister bought it. Uh, they bought me a game, too, which was very nice. Um, uh, and I have been playing ever since. Uh, my favorite games are usually role-playing games, no surprise there, and also action-adventure games. I love anything with a really solid story, so your Metal Gear Solids, your Batman Arkham games. Uh, I'm a big console guy, so I, I play a lot of single-player action stuff, and uh, you know any of the Elder Scrolls games uh, also tickle my fancy quite a bit. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Sounds like you're the perfect kind of guy for this kind of podcast. But today we're not going to be talking about an RPG. We're talking about Stronghold, which is a 1993 RTS slash builder sim hybrid developed by Stormfront Studios and published by SSI. It is run in DOS, so you'll need a DOS emulator to play it. If you've never played it, I highly encourage you to check out the video Alex has made that will show off some of its gameplay. Fellas, what can you tell me about Stronghold? Stronghold, set in a generic Dungeons & Dragons universe. Not a specific setting, so we're not going to be playing another Forgotten Realms game here. So the gameplay doesn't specifically follow any sort of rules conversion, 
though it seems like it most closely resembles first edition because it does have certain classes like elf, dwarf, halfling. Those are classes. Yep, the gameplay is a mix of like time management games similar to maybe SimCity or Caesar series, as well as a little bit of that real-time strategy thrown in there. You pick your kind of very sub lieutenants and place them on the map, the overworld map. They build their own keeps and they have act as a hub for their own sort of little city that's part of your realm. You control what buildings are built around the maps, like mines and farms and guard posts, uh, weaponsmiths, guild halls, upgrade units. Uh, you control all of that stuff. What you do not directly control is your units. You attract them to different locations on the map using magnets. You can also set your units to stay in their home cities regardless of the magnets magnitude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to have you with us, Jane. They uh, take the traditional D&D alignment system and turn that into different modes of play. So you select whether your character is lawful, chaotic, or neutral, and that changes the game's victory conditions. If you're lawful, your goal is to just build a big old city and be declared emperor. If you're chaotic, your job is to kill all of your enemies. And if you're neutral, you have to do both of those things. Yep. So, guys... Stronghold. Uh, this Oof, game, right? Uh, so fun. I hate this game. Stronghold. James Intracasso, you naughty young man. This, oh, no. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. It's the time wizard. You know, the, the wizard of time. Edwin Crinklecut. I don't think it's fair that you're comparing this game to modern games. You wouldn't compare a crappy old movie like Casablanca, say, to something new and cool like Fast and the Furious <laughs> 7, would you? Uh... <laughs> Casablanca is a classic, and Fast and the Furious <laughs> 7 will be. I'm going to unbias you by transporting you back to the year... Of 1993. You'll retain your relative maturity and ages and knowledge, but you'll forget everything that happened after 1993. On the count of three, everyone help me to make silly sound effects as I transport you back in time. One, two, three! Children, I have an important date with a pretty lady. <laughs> but I'll be back to check on you later. Are you drunk, time wizard? Yes. Whoa, guys. Here we are in 1993. I think I'll go watch that hit film Jurassic Park again. I sure did love it. And it's Incredible computer-generated images. I didn't know it was possible for dinosaurs to look that real using technology. I agree. I would like to play with some of my pineapple orange guava caps and uh, some slammers, if anybody's around. Down Pogs, to play with right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like those too. How about you, Vegas? I don't have time for fun. All I have time for is wearing flannel and listening to Nirvana. No way, man. It's all about boys to men and Mariah Carey. Don't you know anything? And I still can't believe that Berlin Wall fell down four years ago. Russia and United States are going to be friends forever. Forever! Nothing's right. ever going to come between this rock-solid four-year relationship. Alright, let's stop talking about current events and start talking about Stronghold. Yeah. The newest game to hit your DOS PC systems. The new yeah. hotness. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. The UI is really busy and kind of hard to manage. What do you guys think about the UI? Let's talk about that first. Uh, uh I 
hated the UI. I think the fact that you have games like SimCity or Civilization where you can very easily click around your map and click on the things that you want to use and, and select. You know, this had, again, you couldn't directly control your units, which are actually a big part of the game. Um, and then to determine what your units had to do... so. It, the way things are set up is you have a baron who then has like four nobles underneath him and depending on which units are on screen you then have to select the correct triangle for the right baron or noble and then you have to within the triangle select if you want the units to train to build or to recruit new members and uh, that in and of itself was really annoying because you have to do it on every screen and the map is divided yeah. into a bunch of grids. So every grid, there are five triangles you have to manage. And when like something's done building, you want your guy to start recruiting or training. And that was really, really annoying to work with. Yeah, if there was some kind of master triangle for each guy, unless maybe I just didn't figure it out right... If there was some kind of master triangle just for each baron, or uh, each lieutenant and the baron, that'd be cool. But as soon as I realized that it was every single one was, every single screen, like grid square was different, I just set them all to the default and lived with the inefficiencies. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> well, and it's funny you bring that up, because the 1991 classic game Sim Ant does have a master triangle that you can tell all your ants what to do. You want them to attack the red ants. You want them to gather food. You want them to dig out a better nest. Um, you know, and you don't have to, every time you change screens, then go to that triangle and select something different. This is a game where you're not, you don't have one, like, faction. You are controlling five factions, five separate armies. Like, there's no way to tell all of your units to attack one place either you have to um switch between the different nobles and then tell them go to this place or go to that place it's just it feels like a lot of busy work that is just frustrating and if you want to send your units to a place you can't just uh tell them to go there you have to individually change each unit's behavior one by one to switch it from being uh, a home unit, which is a guy who hangs around on a particular grid, to a ready unit, who is a unit who will obey your commands and move around. That's right. It's super important that you have those home units, too, because if you don't, your buildings will begin to break and crumble. There always has to be one unit within each quadrant, within each square. Otherwise... And that costs money to repair things. If you accidentally set someone to ready and they wander off and you come back later, you might find your houses are all broken and it's going to cost you 100 gold to fix them all, which is a big investment. Yeah, and yeah. it's so it seems like, especially when you're you're starting out, you know, I spent a good three hours building up my city before I went out into the world to attack anybody. And then I took a lot of units to go attack something, and then their units responded by attacking my city, so I had to move guys out of their square. And just for that brief battle, as I moved the guys back to their quadrants, there were buildings in disrepair, and things had fallen down completely, and, uh, you know, it it was a, a total mess, and I had to spend, like, another two hours building everything back up before I could get enough units to go out and attack something again. Uh, And that was really, really uh, annoying because, um, you know, unlike a game like SimCity where you have a lot of options to to build something or or civilization, you know, where where you can do a lot, your options for what you can build are kind of few and far between. And it's really not very exciting or or interesting uh, to, to keep building stuff. And it's like, hey, I got a new unit. Great. I'll leave them here so this building doesn't fall down. It it didn't feel like oh, I have this new unit and it's a it's an awesome dwarf and I'm gonna train him up to go fight something. Now I need to leave him here because otherwise this house is gonna fall down and that'll be bad for me. Yeah, and it always seemed like the even with my recruitment said hi, it never really seemed like I had a large surplus of units. 
it, it really makes you kind of think, do you want to maintain your city? Or do you want to actually fight? And the main, the maintaining city stuff, not it's not nearly complicated enough to kind of justify the main core of the gameplay. Um, I mean, if you like building farmland and occasionally upgrading it, then cool. But you might love this game. You know, the combat is slightly more exciting. Yeah, murder all the things. See, yeah. if you, you don't have to worry about the buildings decaying if you just get a big enough death fall. But... And then you manage it once, because then after that it is kind of a huge pain in the butt. Guys, I'm trying it's... really hard here. <laughs> is it, it fun, though? The combat, is it fun to watch? I mean, I guess. You know, Some... you're, the thing is, you're going to be spending a lot of time having all your guys go to a quadrant next to it, so you have a large enough force. And then once everybody's there, they'll mo- then you can move over to the other like part where the enemy is. If you don't do that, you'll just have dudes trickling in every now and then, getting killed one after another. I fought one ant. He killed like six dudes in a row because I didn't group them up beforehand. And because your cities are so spread out, you're just waiting. You're spending all this time just waiting for your forces to mobilize. And again, if there's a if you're pulling guys from their home locations, while all that's happening, stuff is breaking. Well, yeah. we've got a lot of criticisms of this game but it definitely has its fans uh there are a a good number of uh folks who play this game i think it's very pretty i think it's a very nice looking game i love the art when you click on a unit and it shows you like here's your dwarf here's Mm -hmm. your fighters i love the music too when you click on the units i think that sounds really nice just it's for a doth game yeah it's pretty good yeah you know, it's not going to hold up to great with to, like, my sound blaster driver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love how when you, you know, put buildings on the map, like when you click on, like if you put one in a quadrant, then you click on a quadrant that's kind of close by, you can see those buildings in the background. And it really, you know, it seems like you have, you're building this huge city. Like it, you're definitely changing the landscape. And I was just really impressed by that. The game has a really weird perspective that uh, I I don't think I've seen in any other games. Uh, You've got basically two screens active at any time. You've got your wide, far away overhead view of the countryside, and then you're looking at one individual tile on that screen at any given point. And like Alex was saying, you're seeing the stuff that you've built in that tile, but then... I guess you're looking at the tile from the south and can see things that you've built in the northernmost tiles that aren't currently the active screen, which is kind of cool. I don't know if it'd be... Yeah, I don't... Well, I I wish that those tiles were kind of mapped out or outlined on the minimap. Maybe it'd be too distracting, but I feel like it would have been easier to see all the rectangles of all the different tiles that you can click on and it it'd just be easier to navigate rather than like estimating where something is does that make sense do you guys agree or um i didn't find it to be a huge problem i mostly navigated with the arrow keys yeah that's really um, important to jump around the map but i i like to just kind of you know we were saying how complicated the interface was but i did like how you could swap between and you can see this in uh, the VHS that Alex is distributing switch between the mini-map so you could, you could jump to the overworld and have that take up the whole big screen and have a little picture-in-picture, picture, I think is what they call it now, um, of the, the detail. Or you could swap them so you have the big detail and the little mini-map. I thought that was really neat you know, and very intuitive. So I, I appreciate that for ease of navigation. You know, but I still, I kind of wish that it had just always been an overhead view, that you could see your units and your buildings in some sort of overhead view, and then also have a map, kind of like you do in in a Dune 2 real-time strategy, or, or that sort of thing, because it did feel a little like, okay, I'm looking at the overworld map, oh, I know I have a, a dwarf somewhere within here that's level 5, but let me go here. Oh, no, it's not this dwarf. Let me go here. No, it's not this one. You know, and, and that got a little crazy. And Rudy, to your point about the animations, it was kind of fun to watch the, the guys fight, but I think a game like Star Wars Battle Chess that was released this year in 1993, it, like, if I'm going to sit there and watch 
a bunch of combat, I'd much rather watch that than I would rather watch uh, the combat in this game, especially because it gets so sort of clunky when you attack with a ton of units. Like Greg said, if you have a big ball of death, um, at least on my machine, it slows everything down because you have 50 guys going up against 50 wood golems and the game can't handle that. No. Did you guys actually have battles that big? Uh, yes, I did, because uh, when I was about 10 hours into the game, I was so... I really wanted something to happen, so I was like, I'm just going to take all my units and go out and see what happens. And uh, it was a slow, slow, painful death that eventually ended in me losing because my stronghold collapsed because of disrepair. Well, that's another thing to bring up, is that enemies don't attack you, necessarily, in this game. And, well, it depends on the difficulty level. Yeah, but for the most part, you kind of have to be the aggressor, which a lot of your units gain experience through fighting, so it can get to the point where you're 10 hours in, and your guys have been leveling from... You can build, uh, like, training centers that'll, that'll level them. But if you want to progress any further, then uh, you need to go out and fight. Um, and just to kind of get back to something you were saying, James, um, if you want to look at that level 5 dwarf, you can always use the census. You know, we were talking about how kind of complex the menus are, but every one of your guys, you can have a census and, like, filter by level and look at all units. It'll show you exactly what squares um, those units are in. So it's a complicated menu, but I will give them points for this. Uh, they have a lot of help in the menu, so if you get stuck up on like, oh, what should I be doing here? What should I be doing here? Definitely to get started with the game because it's incredibly overwhelming. Even even looking through the manual, um, I was like, what? <laughs> How do I murder things? Help? Um, the in-game help was, was pretty good at getting me rolling. So I thought that was that's a bonus for them. They had a lot of tools. It's just, there's just so much going on. Yeah, but I, I guess I feel like they didn't need that many tools that they could have gotten the same effect for a lot of things and, and sort of simplified it and streamlined it if they changed their UI. Uh, like having a big overhead uh, top-down bird's-eye view would have really simplified things to, to begin with. Yeah, I wish it was smoother, too, navigating a map like Dune 2. You just kind of... I know, Greg, you mentioned using the arrows. Having to move it up and down and left and right it's just it takes a while going between each one it does but don't forget too that the scale of dune 2 is way smaller than this game if you just think about the computing resources that are required to have all these you know there's probably a lot going on they have all these little entities running around right i mean um your population can get pretty high you know, in terms of all the little guys you got. So I wonder if there aren't some, you know, like, I don't know if it's entirely fair to compare it to Dune 2 because you just don't have as much going on there. Sure, but what about something like Civilization or Sim Ant? You know, there are a lot of units running around. The scale of Civilization is the entire world. Um, and I think those things have the, the top-down and work great and have great UI. So That's that true. would be my response to that. <laughs> I just want to say that I think the game, uh, at least to me, a, a kind of a big flaw of it, you know, how complicated it is. I think it's stupid that it, or not stupid, but I think it would be easier if they started you out. So right in the beginning of the game, you place your main keep, and then you place your four party member keeps, which are basically your, your lieutenants, your subsidies. I really wish the game kind of slowly introduced your, your party members, right? I feel like managing five, because it's really, you're managing five cities. You're not managing one. Every person has their own gold. You know, they have their populations. They have their food sources. And that's just like... I don't know, imagine if Sim, Sim City, you were actually doing five cities at once right at the beginning. It just makes it so, yeah. so much going on. But and you it don't seems have like it, to. It's right. You, you don't have to, but... It, I mean, at least to me, initially, I didn't get the sense that I didn't have to. Because mm -hmm. like, whenever you click a land... The first it's free. Can... It's free to make yeah. new characters, too. You don't have to invest it's free, at all. But you can... Um, your placement is limited by like your vision, right? Yeah. So you can expand and cover more of the map if you wait a little longer for when you put your guys out there. It's just a trade-off. But again, to, get, to agree with you, though, it's not obvious. Mm -hmm. You know, you really just get thrown in. 
which is not awful. You know, even even reading the man, even reading through the manual and stuff, the quick start, like it's it's confusing. And it's a lot. Yeah, and it didn't. You know, certain things it seemed like they were adding layers of complication just to make it feel more gamey. Like you know, uh, like Jimbo the Magnif, my Baron. Um, you know, he ha- he had plenty of gold, but Vegas the Terror did not have any gold. He was losing gold, and I was like, oh, I'll just uh, give him some gold. And it's like, well, Vegas the Terror has to build a vault first before he can get to the gold. And he's going to have to build several vaults if you want him to be able to get that share. And it's like, why? Why? I'm two blocks away. Why can't I yeah. just walk over, hand the man some money, and and we'll be on our way? Uh, you know, but it, it didn't make uh, much sense to me. It's like, well, if all of these people are supposed to be working together, why... Why is it this crazy bureaucratic system of building buildings to get them to do anything together as opposed to just like, we work together. Here you go. Speaking of bureaucrats, if you guys see the Time Wizard uh, Supervision Bureau, I gave you the speech about, uh, you know, ruining the space-time continuum. Just don't eat any flora or fauna. That's all I have to do. Can I kill flies? Yes. Something I actually never... I mean, I, you guys, did you guys fully read the manual? Yes. yes. Uh, I didn't read the stuff on their buildings. Yeah, had to. I mean, yeah, just like all games during this time, manuals are very important. Yes, and they're very thick. They're very they're large. Very and they'll be around forever. Um, but I decided I was going to make it go at it without reading it, because I'm an idiot. You Love must you. have had a miserable time playing uh, this So game. one thing I'm actually going to ask is, uh, did you guys ever notice what the stats do when you're creating a character? Like, did that at any point come into play? I don't think they do anything. Does con mean your characters have more health? There, means said, your characters have more hit points. Like, yes. your actual yeah. mini, you're like, your your soldiers will actually get better based on mm-hmm. that? Okay. I uh, I did spend a lot of time re-rolling. Yeah, you can re-roll away. As high away. as possible, but it just didn't have nearly as much effect as I, I was initially kind of thought it would. For, like... 30 minutes for all my guys. I was like, you know, I bet Alex is doing this too. Let's talk about that. Uh, This is a Dungeons & Dragons game. There's obviously that ability to roll characters. Did you guys feel like you were in a Dungeons & Dragons world? There's there's monsters from the Monster Manual and your guys cast spells. Do you think it did a good job bringing that kind of atmosphere? I think it's kind of weak sauce that they went with. Like, they didn't go with AD&D. I mean, Second Ed just came out a couple years ago. Yeah, elves and dwarves as classes, what do you do? I was a little disappointed in that aspect. I was hoping for something a little fresher. I think uh, I, I think where this game fell short, actually, is they were trying to do so much. And they were trying to do, you know, we've talked about this, some, some city simulation building stuff. And they were trying to do some real-time strategy stuff. But then they were also trying to do this D&D stuff, and I feel like it all just kind of fell short for me. It was cool that you got to fight goblins and hobgoblins and dragons and, you know, some some other rarer D&D creatures. Um, And it was cool that you had all of these stats, but like you guys said, you could re-roll stats forever. You could spend 30 minutes re-rolling stats, which just got frustrating. It was like, well, just let me pick the stats that I want. So because you're allowing me to sit here and re-roll it over and over again, which is frustrating, just let me give me a bunch of 18s and let me put them wherever I want or give me point by um, so that I can just sort of move on with my life was kind of the way I, I felt when I was sitting there re-rolling. So I think they stayed too true to D&D in some places when they could have let that go a little bit. And then in other places, it was like, well, you know, like you can't actually control your guy, uh, which is a big part of D&D is being able to control the direct actions of a character or of monsters or whatever. And you couldn't actually do that. So it's a little frustrating. Yeah, I was really hoping you'd be able to at least control spells for the mm-hmm. mages and elves who just throw everything out like crazy when you bring them into combat, which was my favorite part of combat. Watching the mages just catch oh, every yeah. spell they do. Not a doubt, dude. I will say, though, to, to give them benefit of the doubt here, one of the things I like is that I did feel like I had a bunch of scrub henchmen <laughs> that I could just kind of throw away. Which is, I mean, let's be honest, it's 
pretty classic D&D right there. That's true. Oh, Henchmen are a very important part of this game, trap. as I know it. <laughs> they warrant an entire chapter in, in the player's handbook. I mean, the core book. I mean, the book. Uh, yeah, I wish that your actual character was walking around, too. Like a hero unit. That'd be pretty mm-hmm. neat, I feel like. And maybe you can control just him. And maybe your guys will rally around him. Uh, that would have been neat if there was an option just to rally around leader. Just yeah. like you follow the yellow ant and sim ant. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I do think that that is actually an apt comparison. Uh, Rudy, you and I were talking about this a little earlier. But, yeah, Sim Ant is, uh, you know, it's a game where you don't control all of the units directly. You control one ant, and you can jump around between ants and control one at a time. Um but that makes all the difference in the world because then you can tell all the other ants, form up on this ant and now follow me while we go to take out the red colony or the giant spider or whatever it is. Um, it just it makes a world of difference to be able to have control over one thing like that. It's just more fun, I think. Yeah, plus you can puke into other ants' mouths, and that's awesome. Guys, first of all, you should all play Sim Ant whether it's right now in 1993 when it's a recent release or years into the future, I bet it'll still be a fun and cool game. That notwithstanding, man, Stronghold is boring. I've got it running right now on my computer as I speak into my handheld wall phone. For this party line that we're running. I've got a tape recorder up to my speaker on my speakerphone. But I've had this game running the entire time, and, you know, my little guys are are building and and making their little empire a little bit bigger and better, but it doesn't matter that I'm not watching them. In an hour, no one has been attacked. I I could sit and click and micromanage, but I don't think it really matters. Uh, Back to just talking about the Dungeons & Dragons atmosphere. This game would really benefit from having, like, I don't know, a dungeon? Right? <laughs> like, it'd be cool to actually yeah. make a party and send them in the dungeon and maybe, like, make it as a, a, a side, like, you would just pay attention yeah. to that. For, like, it would be know, cool if there were a better game hidden within this game. That I'm, is true. <laughs> does every race, like, everybody has a stronghold, right? Mm-hmm. The giant bats have a stronghold that you need to destroy. <laughs> yeah, well, they've it's... got really good, you know, healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> that poop keep. Greg, I'm curious because you said you love this game. What do you love about it so much? Love is love is strong, but I do like it. I don't know. I like watching them build their little things, and um, maybe maybe Vegas makes a good point. I did kind of play it and then go write some stuff, you know, while waiting for my guys to do stuff. I like the I like the management aspect of of having this huge sprawling city. You know, I, I think that's just kind of cool. I, I really like all the little, you know, when you inspect your, your little men's and women's, they have their little thoughts and stuff. You know, that's pretty, maybe it's not revolutionary, but it's a nice touch. You know, you can click on them and figure out what you're doing bad and what you're doing well. It does feel cool to zoom out on the map and be like, this is mine. I have built this. Yeah. These are my people. Because, you know, it took so friggin' long for all this <laughs> stuff to be built. It is it is satisfying to see how much space each one of your cities, you know, takes up. And as time goes on, it expands and expands. That's neat. But it's just at too much of a cost. Yeah, this is uh, definitely a great game to have to play in the background. It's yeah, a passive maybe. game. Uh, don't, uh, don't put it on expecting uh, action-packed. No. It's no Mortal Kombat 2. Am I right, guys? Yeah. yeah. In arcades now. Fatality. <laughs> they're making right? a movie soon. Oh, it's going to be great, I bet. Don't know what uh, I can't I bet it runs for years and years. There's going to be a whole franchise based on it. Amazing. Be How can they lose? You guys find yourselves building tons and tons of farms? So many right? farms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, outside of you Actually, know finding mines, that's the only way to get money, right? No, I guess no. the market you will can do increase. Games. Ants are useful trees. Oh, okay. Elves oh, sure. Trees. Yeah. Elves get a lot of benefits from the trees. Um, and the other thing is, a lot of the trees, like if they're in hills, you keep the tree because you can't build anything 
on the steep elevations. So trees, I actually found trees to be really good. Well, you guys missed out on fighters. They're awesome. No way, dude. Smashy the fighter is barren. Okay. Ready, go. Fighters are good. Um, did way... anyone fight the dragon? I, I know there's dragons in it. I was unable to encounter him. I could not find a dragon. I did the lawful thing, so I, like, because I didn't want to bother be bothered having to hunt down all the monsters for the other two difficulties, so I just did lawful. Uh, and then w my other question is, even on you guys played on what what difficulty worlds? Pansy. Aggressive. Pansy difficulty. Peaceful. Aggressive. Could, Pansy. Aggressive. Did anyone actually find the enemies attacking them before no. they no. engaged? Right. You so know this what? Is a... I I played peaceful for a while, uh, and I I found. Nothing was happening after several hours, so I started over in a hostile world, and I was like, yeah, now I'm going to get wrecked. Things are going to come in and destroy my city. Still, nothing really happened. You have to go out and find the fights. The fights won't come to you. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're listening to Three Little Pigs by Green Jelly <laughs> rocking out. You can you can just leave oh, it man. on there as a nice screensaver is basically what it sounds like to me. when I brought that cassette to school for, like, a party. <laughs> Teacher was not happy. That's a true story. I'm not making that up. What is that? This is not, this is not time travel is. nonsense. Okay. She was not happy. <laughs> Your old friend, the time wizard. I have returned from my sexy date with Cleopatra to bring you back to present day. Uh, when is that again? 2015. Uh, ah, yes. Early right Marchish. Okay. Right before the big comet hit. <laughs> All right, I have returned you to modern day Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you. That, but I don't work there. Is that where, where you wanted to go? Uh, we'll figure it out. It's alright. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, thank you, Time Wizard. I'm sure we may cross paths again. Can any of you give me a ride to my home? Uh, well, wait, where do you live? Is it, wait, where do you live? Where do you live? I, I have it written down here somewhere. <laughs> uh, alright, we're gonna let you figure that one out on your own, Time Wizard. We'll catch Good you night. later. Good night. Good night. Gee, guys, that was weird. I hope that that time wizard never comes back. And What a weird experiment. Stronghold. Right. Would you recommend this game to lovers of Dungeons & Dragons who also love video games? Let's start with our wonderful guest, Mr. James and Chicasso. Uh no, I would not. And I it's funny, I I think for the first like hour or so while I was playing it, it was kinda like, Oh, this is cool, this is neat, and then it felt like, Okay, I've I've done this. I got I got I've had the experience now. I, I can move on. And it's not an experience like it was neat, but it, it was not earth shattering or uh or even super fun. So uh I'm gonna say that no, you know, we've been pretty negative this podcast, so I don't feel like I need to rehash all of the reasons why. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, no, there's there's better Dungeons & Dragons video games out there. There's better real-time strategies. There's better simulators out there. Go go play one of those. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything James said. Even 1993 Vegas, uh, I, I could imagine myself spending a lot of time playing this game, trying to have fun with it. And I'd probably get some enjoyment out of it. But even at that time, I think there are better options. Games that you want to be addictive and take up hours and hours and hours of time. I'm, yeah, I'm going to say no. I, it's really disappointing because I love the idea of it. Of like a city simulator where you also manage like your party or, you know, adventurers and stuff. That's a type of game. I've been looking for a good one for a while. Um, I know. I was so excited but, when we yeah, announced this game. I wasn't excited. Yeah, it's just disappointing. And also, I keep saying, oh, it's something you can play in the background. That, I don't really... Uh, in my experience with that, uh, I let it go for about three hours, then it crashed. So all that time was just wasted. It's just, it's not a game that's actively fun. There's just not enough to do. Too much waiting, too much watching. Uh, it's just too slow. So, uh, Pass. Greg, I'm going you? to say that I will recommend it to f for a few reasons. A, it's 22 years old, 
and you can steal it without any legal repercussions, pretty much, and play it in DOSBox or your DOS emulator of choice. So that's cool. Also, so that's, you know, why not give it a shot? I think it's got some interesting hooks to at least check it out. Also, if you've ever played, there's a series called Majesty, which I'd actually recommend to Vegas and Alex as a city management game where you don't control anyone, you just control bounties and uh, buildings and stuff. But if you're a fan of the Majesty series, I would consider uh, Stronghold as sort of a more open kind of open example of that sort of game. Majesty, every map is kind of like a puzzle. This is... Well, maybe that's a negative, that it's not... There's not more specific challenges in it, but more of kind of an open world sort of that game. So I think it's worth at least trying it, at least to to hear what we were complaining all about so much. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to compare it to Majesty because I think Majesty's a great game and so superior to this in pretty much every aspect. It's got such a great theme. It's super funny. Getting guys places is a lot easier. Gathering resources is a lot easier. I really love it Majesty. Majesty is really good. Yeah, so good on you, Majesty. I also would not recommend this game. You guys have outlined it. I I hate to do a podcast where we just sit here and complain for for 40 minutes, but I think it kind of speaks to... I mean, sorry, there were definitely positives that we touched on. But I think it kind of, again, it speaks to how disappointing this this really was. When we first were uh, going over Dungeons & Dragons games, this is one that stood out to me that I wanted to try. And it just it it just doesn't it doesn't work. I uh, if you disagree, please by all means drop a line in the comments. Let us know what you liked about it, and uh, maybe we overlook something. There's got to be someone else like me out there. Yeah, who can find the silver lining. Please leave us leave us a, a memory of you playing it when it came out. We were all pretty pretty little. I do think one of the interesting things about this game is that uh, a year later, the first Warcraft comes out, you know, and and you'd think that would just wipe this game from the existence of the universe. Uh, but uh, I think that's a better D&D game, too, even though it's not an officially licensed D&D game. But it seems like this game does still have fans, so uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from those people and, and hear, like, what turns them on, what they like about it. Let's, uh, let's go to some recommendations. Vegas, why don't we start with you? Recommend me a game, my friend. Yeah, last month, uh, you guys... Uh, Greg and Alex both recommended Darkest Dungeon, uh, so I picked it up off of Steam, and it rocks! I love Darkest Dungeon! Put about Probably played it for 15 or 20 hours this past month, and it's a great, great, great game. And if you're asking 1993 Vegas for a recommendation, I would recommend Star Trek 25th Anniversary Edition, which is a great, great point-and-click adventure Star Trek game uh, featuring the original series cast. Very accurate to the show. It also features a Wait, flight was simulator. Was that the DOS one? Where you fly around, you can redirect power to your shields. Like, there's a place where you go in a cave, and if you shoot the wrong rock, then the red it's, shirt dies. Yeah, yeah, Oh, exactly. man, I'm 100% behind you on this recommendation. That game was awesome. Yeah, especially, you know, with Leonard Nimoy passing recently as of the recording of this podcast. Uh, special, special place in the heart for Star Trek 25th anniversary. You really just ruined my he's dead Jim joke. Thanks. Thanks. That doesn't seem very uh, nice. Greg, when you're not making terribly uh, insensitive jokes, what game would you recommend everybody check out? Oh my god, I cannot... Stop playing Crossy Road. I don't even have a smartphone. Oh, I don't have anywhere I can play Crossy Road. I steal my friend's phone at work. So thanks, Animal Gel, for lending me your phone all the time at lunch. I just, I can't. The chicken. It's chicken all day. Hit me with your high score, because I want to know what it is. I'm going to look mine up you and can... give it to you. It's pretty good. Because like if, if it's not 394, oh, oh. try harder. Just throwing that out there. 1993. Gregory Blair would recommend Secret of Mana. I rented that game so many times. Oh my god, I love it. That was formative right there. The music, the story, Finding Flammy, the the, the sad music, oh, everything. I'm, getting all, I'm about to fire up an emulator right now. 
Go play Secret of Mana. Was that one two player? Was the sequel two player? Three player. Three, three player. player. You How does that even work? Multi tap on SNES, man. For an you RPG, two of your that's crazy. There. Yeah, that's really it cool. Action. It was, dude, it was an action RPG. Oh, like a Zelda? Like I mean, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so you could run around and smash things and level up your weapons and level up your magic and actually had a pretty cool story and. Well, I have been playing a lot of the 1997 classic uh, Symphony of the Night. Uh, it's a Castlevania game. Uh, you can check it out on the Xbox Live store, game store right now. Or I guess if you have a PlayStation 1 or a PlayStation 2, you could buy the classic disc and play it. I, I Man, I played a lot of this game back in the day, and it still holds up. You play Alucard, who is the son of Dracula, so you're not a Belmont in this game. You're not using uh, a whip either. You use a variety of weapons. There's maces. There's a lot of swords. Two-handed, one-handed. Yes, yeah, there's there's daggers. There's all kinds of stuff. Uh, you learn spells, and you can use them. You get familiars who walk around with you, and uh, it is basically an enormous, enormous dungeon crawl, um, which is really, really fun. Um, there's a there's a kind of a story that holds it all together that is sort of interesting. The voice acting is terrible, but that's part of the charm. Um, and there's secret rooms and you all kinds of really great boss fights and awesome weapons. Ah, oh, man, I just it's it's great and it's one of those things um you know as you explore and find new items you can get to different places on the map that you couldn't reach before uh, so i highly recommend castlevania symphony of the night uh check it out it is a great single player dungeon crawl and my 1993 recommendation is also a point and click adventure called sam and max hit the road from lucas arts uh, it's a great game. Sam and Max are a dog and a bunny who are also private eyes who uh, solve a, you know, you you help them solve a case. There's a lot of great mini games inside. You can play uh, Car Bomb, which is basically Battleship. They have a lot of wisecracking. It's got a great sense of humor. I highly recommend you check it out. Sam and Max, hit the road. It's got that newfangled voice acting in games too, eh? Pretty neat. Yes. It does, and it is much better than Castlevania Symphony of the Night as far as voice acting goes. <laughs> My recommendation is Besiege, which uh, even though it's an early access, and I don't always like recommending early access games, uh, there's, it's made of a bunch of different levels, and each level you're kind of given a scenario to destroy something. So like the current world that's only released right now in early access is kind of like a medieval-themed world. So you'll have like a castle or like a, a village with like, you know, a small hut and maybe a windmill and you're supposed to destroy it. And the way to destroy it is it's very, it's a, like a builder. It makes me feel of like playing with Legos. You're given like wooden blocks, cogs, like a bunch of different tools to build a siege machine to destroy these, these objectives. And it's really cool. People who are really creative can make like amazing catapults. You have tools to make like flying machines that can drop bombs uh, if you're dumb like me, you always just end up making uh, some sort of medieval car that just drives into stuff, maybe with spinning blades. It's just very, like, if you're really creative, you can make some amazing things. And it's just, even if you're not creative, it's fun to just have ideas and then fail miserably at them. And if you have friends, have them watch so they can laugh and make fun of you. Cool. So that's my, my 2015 suggestion. My 93 suggestion would be Blake Stone, the awesome nice. first-person shooter. That came out a week before Doom 3, or not Doom 3, Doom, first Doom, uh, and was, because of that, eclipsed and never really took off, but it's, uh, and you play a guy who's in, like, a space station who fights, I don't know, evil people and aliens, it's got a lot of cool guns, I always enjoyed it more than Doom. I also like Doom's a little too dark, and demons are scary. I believe that you need the subtitle of the name, though, which is Aliens, Aliens of Gold. Of gold. <laughs> no multiplayer on that one, though. That's why it lost that war. Yeah. No deathmatch. No deathmatch. That John Romero, he's sure going to go on to make an awesome <laughs> game about a super... He'll have a, a fruitful story. career in game design, I'm sure. Uh, my game to recommend in 2015 is Payday 2, which is a first-person heist game. Uh, I really like this. I love heists i love the concept of heists i wish it was a little bit more open-ended but 
it's still really neat, and the guns feel really, really good. It's one of the best shooters I've played in a long time. At this point, there's lots of heists to do. You, it's four-player co-op, I should add. And there's a lot of different ways to complete them. You can be silent. You can just go out guns blazing. It's a, it's, it's a very good at adding replay value to something that you wouldn't think would have replay value. My 1993 recommendation is a little game called Battletoads and Double Dragon, the ultimate team-up. This is a classic beat-em-up game. It's not nearly as difficult as the Battletoads game, which Vegas can attest it is uh, sickeningly hard. I watched Vegas Lancaster play Battletoads for 10 hours straight. He did not beat the fourth level. It was for charity. It was for charity, so it was for a good cause. This one is not hard like that. It's definitely completable without using cheat codes. And it's just a lot of fun. You can have two players, and it's got a lot of really neat mechanics. So, Battletoads and Double Dragons, the ultimate team-up. Guys, thank you so much for playing this game and doing this podcast. James, thank you so much for joining us. You're the oh, reason thank you so much we're for doing this podcast. So, it's great to have you on here and discuss this. Where can people find you, James? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at my name, at James Intracasso, or you can find me at my blog, which is worldbuilderblog.me. Greg, where can people find and learn more about you on the internet? You can, well, you can't really learn anything about me. Learn about your secret. charming personality. You can, you can check me out on Twitter at NTS underscore QPOP, QPOP, and you should... Tweet me your uh, almost said flappy bird cheese. You should tweet me your crossy road high score. Maybe even with a screenshot. I'm just saying proof is in the pudding. Even though I can't show you proof because I don't have a smartphone. I'm always on Twitter at Vegas Lancaster, tweeting about my brain. Tweet okay, <laughs> all right, there you go, guys. <laughs> Vegas's brain on Twitter. Um, Alex, how about you? You can find me on Twitter. At yo underscore Alex Basco, and and you can check out our me and my brother, my brother and I. But I'm not good at grammar. Uh, you can check out our YouTube channel, Game O'Clock, where hopefully we'll we'll have some more videos up on some some new games coming out. I think we're making one on Evolve and one on Depth. On depth. depth and, uh, uh, you can game. check out our Neverwinter Nights multiplayer videos. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah. Game of Clock, though, that's just a temporary name. We're trying to come up with something better. we got a couple ideas. What were they going to Uh, Yeah, so we're thinking Two Point Bro, because <laughs> we're two bros. Or uh, the other one was Savage Moccasins, which is kind of like an inside joke. We don't really have time to get into that. There's just, It makes sense. There's just, it makes sense. It's a rocket name. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to follow me, my Twitter handle is Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. Thank you so much for listening. Next month, we're going to be playing Dungeons & Dragons Demon Stone, which is a 2006, I want to Four. say? 2004. Okay, 2004 third-person action game set in Forgotten Realms. I think Drist is in it, so uh-huh. Vegas... Drist! Calm yourself down. Written by R.A. Salvatore, who I have met. James has met. Right, James? Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next month. Bye. Bye. Alright, Rudy, remember, no editing. No. (laughs) I think it's funny. Screw you guys.